Screw it, screw it, we're just gonna talk about Spider-Man. Hello and welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about Spider-Man. This is the podcast where we do just that. We talk about Spider-Man, specifically the original 41 issues done by the original creative team of Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. I am one of your two total hosts and my name is Will Hines. I am the second. So if you add us together, that's one plus one. That equals two of your hosts. Uh, Mm -hmm. And my name is Kevin Hines. You might notice that I have the same last name as Will. That's right. If you picked up on that, you're a genius. Yeah, you're a master detective, and uh, it's because we are brothers. That's right. That's why our names are the same. Yep. Um, it's Society wants it that way. Um, society wants to know when you are brothers or siblings. Yeah, and, our, and our family just caved to that pressure and gave everyone the same last name. Our parents showed the world they were a bunch of pushovers when they allowed their children to all have the same last name. And I still think I should be Willy Lollipop, and I'm the name gonna... I picked for myself when I was five. <laughs> and I, I'm going to remain Kevin Hines. Uh, yeah, that's fine. I'm happy with it. It's okay. Um, how you doing, Will? Doing pretty good. Um, this is the first episode we've recorded since the passing of Steve Ditko, the co-creator of Spider-Man, the artist and illustrator. We did a special episode that was eulogizing him. But I got to tell you, I've been obsessed with Steve Ditko more than ever uh, since he died. Like we did our episode and then I've been reading everything I can get my hands on. Um, and it, it's mostly, I knew the broad strokes of it. There's nothing that's changed the broad strokes of my knowledge, but I've just been thinking about him a lot, like little details and stuff. Yeah, I definitely been thinking more about him. I've, uh, uh, you ordered some of Ditko's personal, uh, uh, self-published stuff. Yeah. And just before he died, I guess, and it arrived that's right. after he died, um, or just around the same time, I guess. I think I got it. I think I got it a couple weeks before, but yeah, right around the same time. Um, but I, but I just got my hands on it very recently and I've now been yeah. reading that stuff and that's. I'm, uh, I sort of feel bad that I never ordered this stuff the moment I knew he was doing it, which is it was years ago. I knew he was self-publishing. Yeah, because it's pretty cheap. It. It's pretty cheap. Yeah. Um, it wasn't that hard to do. I mean, I got to um, hope at some point someone will just take all that stuff and just publish it in a giant volume. Yeah. It'll be crazy and insane and I will buy it. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I assume we're going to talk a lot about Ditko um, even more than we have been issues. for the rest yeah. of this podcast because of the weight of just... Uh, yeah, like when I was reading this issue, and by the way, we're going over issue... Oh, yeah. Do we even talk about... This? We did. We talked about what the podcast was. We talked about what it was. Uh, this episode, we're going over issue 28, which is The Molten Man. Yeah. And uh, as I read it, uh, yeah, I was thinking about Ditko every panel and, and Stan Lee and their collaboration. I mean, that's, I've been thinking about that. I said yeah. I have a I new mean, eye towards Ditko's strange. As I Anybody did. who's listening to this podcast hearing us go, oh, now we're going to really talk about Ditko must be like, what were you doing before? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think it's going to go up a little bit for sure. I also yeah. read issues 31, 32, 33 recently. Yeah. I skipped ahead and read them again. Yeah. Um, sort of to honor him. Yeah. How do they uh, hold up? They're great. Good. 31. I, 31. I forgot how much it, 31 is just set up. Yeah. Ditko does that a lot. It'll have like lots of setup and then a huge payoff. We've, we've seen that already in Spider-Man yeah. issues. Because uh, a lot of stuff that happened in 32, I had sort of in my head put in 31, but it really gets going at 32 and 33, obviously, is amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, I, did a quick, I did a quick reread of 31, 32, and 33 this morning, just like scanning through it. And I, yeah. I can't wait. I can't. Uh, I rewatched Spider-Man Homecoming twice over the last couple of weeks. Wow. Um, once just because I wanted to see it again. I hadn't seen it since it was in theaters. Yes. And then my wife wanted to see it. Okay. And I was expecting her to be like, she sort of wanted to see it for a while since she saw mm-hmm. Infinity War. Okay. But I was like, oh, she's not going to ever have time to see it. It'll be months and months and months. And then she's like, let's watch Spider-Man. And I had like watched it days earlier. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to say no because I don't know when this opportunity comes yeah. again. So yes, we will watch it. 
Uh, and at the end of that movie, he lifts a heavy weight off of himself. Yeah. I made her skim through uh, those issues with me. Yeah. Uh, and she allowed me to do that. <laughs> I don't think yeah. she cared. Her yeah. reaction sort of was like, okay. Yeah. She had a normal human being's reaction. Yeah. And I was like, isn't this amazing? She's like, it's good. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're not talking about those issues yet, but soon, not too far off. Soon. Uh, um, all right. So we have the Molten Man. Yeah. Um, um, so let's this talk is about the cover you, first. Yeah. Um, I love the cover. I think it's super cool. Yeah. It doesn't reproduce great. A lot of times I see, uh, covers of it and it's sort of the colors bleed cause of so much blackness. Yeah. It's like a mostly uh, yeah. dark cover of Spider-Man fighting the molten man. Who's a man with golden skin, uh, but they're in the dark. So Spidey's all you can see is sort of the red outline of his costume and the molten man's kind of glimmering. It's, it's cinematically ambitious. Yeah, and it also is representative of what happens in the issue because there's a moment where they fight in the dark. Yeah, so I think this cover is excellent. I love it. It stands out. It's really good. Um, uh, overall, what do you think of this issue? Uh, I remember this issue as being bad, and it was better than I remembered. Um, it's like the villain's a little lame, but his visuals are very cool. Uh, there's a lot of just Peter Parker's regular life in this issue, and I found myself really enjoying that. It's it's not a conventional comics issue. It's paced weird, but I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, um, I sort of had a similar reaction. I remembered it being bad, but then other issues I'd remembered being bad had been good. So I think my opinion of this one was like, maybe this one's secretly great. Uh, and I really didn't enjoy the first half, the Molten Man stuff. Yeah, he's but pretty I stupid. Loved, loved all the Peter Parker stuff. Yeah, this is similar too. to last issue too, right? Where it feels like the story wraps up. And then you just follow Peter in his high school uh, yep. stuff. Yeah. The villain's dispatched with by the halfway point, And then you're just with Peter. Uh, now, this is at this point in the Stan Lee, Steve Ditko collaboration. Ditko, the artist, has taken over completely. He is like doing the plots. He doesn't, he's not even talking to Stan Lee. Uh, he's just turning in the pages. So like, and you know, Steve Ditko is an eccentric guy, talented guy, but an eccentric guy. And he's really uh, being very aggressive with his storytelling and doing it the way he wants. So he's really interested in Peter Parker's personal development. And so that gets half the issue. And in fact, it gets the second half as if it were the climax. Yeah. And that's similar to the last issue, which he dispatched with the crime master. And then it was like, yeah, then we just uh, follow Peter yeah. for a while. Yeah. Um, there's some parts that I, I feel like you can see that where Stan Lee would have smoothed over some moments here and there if they talked about it first. Yes. Uh, but then some parts are still great and it's it shows how powerful Ditko is. Uh, also, Stan Lee is great. I mean, Steve Ditko was so quick to dismiss Lee's contributions. You know, Ditko always wanted to him to be the this, almost the sole creator. But like Stan Lee's dialogue is crucial in this issue. It like connects a lot of dots. It smooths things out. It keeps the humor in there. Uh, I mean, they didn't like each other, but they were a great team. As a, um, I don't know, this is probably not indicative of anything, but I've been rereading or reading for the first time these Ditko solo self-published works. And the dialogue is so sparse and sort of clipped. Yeah. It almost reads like temporary dialogue, like what maybe Ditko would have put on a comic for Lee to rewrite. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes balloons are even out of order where people are responding to something I have not read yet. Oh, weird. Uh, which Lee hardly ever does, almost never does. Yeah. Most good writers and artists don't do that. But I think Ditko just sort of doesn't care about that side of it. He's like, he's just telling his story. Yeah. And I, when I'm reading these Ditko stories, I'm like, what if Lee took a polish on these? I think it would be 
great. I mean, Ditko would be rolling over in his grave, but it would be great for us fans to see what it would look like if Stan Lee took some of the self-published Ditko work and and did his own dialogue. I yeah, bet you, I bet just you it would read, be better. Read Ditko's versions and just kind of did a rewrite. I think it would be better too. I think it'd be more fun. And I think the ideas would still come through. I, some of the most uh, and Randian parts would probably be diminished, which Ditko would not like, but otherwise they yeah. could be good. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, a tangent, I guess. Yeah. Uh, is there any podcast news or Spider-Man news? Um, there is, there's not really, uh, um, I'll plug a different podcast, uh, swinging through Spider-Man are these two guys in, um, I think it's Birmingham, England. They're England somewhere. Yeah, we've mentioned them a couple times. Uh, early in the podcast, we mentioned them, but I went back and listened to their live. They did a live episode. Um, and they're just, they're just fun. They're super funny people. And uh, I like their podcast. And I like to think that all of us Spider-Man fans, especially in the podcast world are a little, are a little, um, fraternity slash sorority of fans. Yeah, and they were very nice. They tweeted uh, out people to listen to our Steve Ditko eulogy episode, which was yeah. very flattering. Yeah, uh, I listened to a and a episode they did a while ago yeah. where I sent a question in. Um, did I tell you this? Oh, no, I didn't know that. I sent them a question in from our Twitter account asking who should the fourth enforcer be? <laughs> That's fun. Which they said was on game or uh, for our for us to ask that question. Yeah, uh, and I think they came up with they came up with two: either a guy with a dog, <laughs> or a guy in scuba gear. <laughs> oh, that, I can, those are both good. Uh, yeah. Ditko, uh, Ditko villains for him to draw. I, I think they first came up with a scuba guy one, and then after a while, they were like, probably a guy with a dog would make more sense. But they, <laughs> I think they liked the scuba guy more, and I sort of agree. Yeah, it makes sense. They had like a water-based enforcer. Yeah. <laughs> Go get him. Uh, Go get him, Scooby, or whatever they would call him. Go get him, Flippy. Uh, there's another podcast that's uh, uh, complimented us recently. A gal walks into a comic shop. Is a podcast about a, a, a guy and a female friend or, or significant other. I'm un- unsure of their relationship um keep it neutral where he's read a lot of comics and she hasn't so he is reading comics with her to see what she thinks okay uh, and they did an all ditko episode uh and kind of recommended our podcast for people who wanted to do a deep dive on the spider-man oh issues. man that's so nice it was very nice it was very flattering i sent them some recommendations of other spider-man comics uh which i think they read for their next episode but i have not listened oh that's cool all right yeah so we don't anyway, have podcasts. other podcasts are out there, there and they're podcasts. good yeah um and also i guess the new issue the new creative team of spider-man has debuted by this point Mm. Uh, which is uh, Nick Spencer and Corey Walker uh, are doing a Spider-Man and their first issue came out. Oh, great. Carrying the torch. Yeah, it's a um, it's a new. It feels very weird to read a Spider-Man comic not by Dan Slott, who's been doing it for so so long at this point. Yeah, uh, but it's always exciting to see new blood, see what they'll bring to it, and you know what what new things will come out. Oh, and I know we're we haven't even started this issue yet, but um, in Marvel news, yes, uh, I should have mentioned this last issue. Okay, uh, this is Marvel news issue. at the time that this issue was published. That's right. Okay. So this would have been the the news I have is for August 1965, even though this issue was September 1965. Yeah. Submariner. Took Giant Man, uh, took Giant Man's spot. So, Tales to Astonish is a split comic between Giant Man and the Hulk. Okay. And last month, the Submariner took over for Giant Man. The old Marvel hero of the '40s can't can't be put away. He comes back. Yeah, and Giant Man, who was the second, or when as Ant Man was the second superhero comic that Marvel put out, 
yeah. after the Fantastic Four yeah. has retired. Mm. Uh, I mean, he comes back and uh, numerous times he and the Wasp have huge, huge players. But at this point, they're not in the Avengers. They don't have their solo book anymore. They're, they're sort of off the table for a little while. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess I feel like saying that's sad, but I don't think it's sad because I think those characters are both insane. But um, although I haven't seen the I new mean, movie, I heard it's, it's funny. It's weird to say right now where there's a movie out called Ant-Man and the Wasp. They can't be beat. They can't be beat. They, they will not be defeated by lack of popularity or lack of sense. Yeah. But as far as this month, it's the second issue of Tales to Astonish that features the Submariner along with the Hulk. Oh, cool. All right. We'll get some Marvel news. So, All right. So why don't we get into yeah. this issue? Let's do it. All right. Splash page. Kevin, what do you think? The Menace of the Molten Man. Um, I think it's okay. I weirdly feel like the first half of this issue is not drawn that well. In particular, oh, compared to recent Ditko issues, um, as well as the second half. In this panel, like Peter's a little awkward. Maybe it's the lighting. Uh, I love Peter being tangled up in the spider slayer cables. I think that's a fun visual. Yeah. Um, but it's a little more awkward than I'd expect from Ditko. Yeah, you know what? You're right. I, I hadn't really picked up on that. But now that I'm looking at it, I mean, the fa- and the faces are especially distorted in the first half. Yeah. There's a few panels where it really bugged me. Uh, and I went back and read the previous issue or skimmed the previous issue to see if like this was just continuing a trend. And it was like, no, previous issue looked great. Maybe uh, he had a lot of trouble. This issue looks great. Maybe he had trouble plotting this or something and he ended up redoing pages at the last second or something. Well, also shortly around this time, the second annual came out. So it might be another one of those instances where he was just overworked. Yeah. Just had extra pages to do. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did go's faces are looking extra grotesque in the, in this issue. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think this last page is fine. <laughs> uh, the cover is so cool. Usually it's the reverse, but, uh, uh it kind of looks like an electro situation. We got this golden guy being surrounded by energy and yeah. we, we find out that's the moment that the molten man gets his powers, but it looks like electro with his like electric machine. Yeah, uh, it does. It, it, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, molten man in a lot of ways feels like a retread of a lot of things yeah. as a character. Well, I think he's just doing it for the cool visuals, you know, golden skin, and it's going to be a fight in the dark. I think that's what Ditko's thinking will be the feature of this issue. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's start. We start off the issue and um, we're tying up some subplots from Peter Parker's life of previous issues. Yeah. And I think in these first two panels, Peter looks weird. Peter's just looks straight up strange. Like his neck is sort of twisted weirdly in the first panel. His face looks poorly drawn in the second panel. Yeah. Um, still still rocking the blue suit, though. And that blue suit looks good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's, he's in school outfit, which is very formal. Yep. So uh, we start off with the principal of the high school stopping Peter to let him know. Uh, and this is interesting because the last issue, Peter tackled four or five bullies and knocked them all to the ground, which the principal witnessed. So Peter thinks he's in trouble, but the principal is letting Peter know, you know what? Flash Thompson told me he started all that. He took the responsibility and Peter is sort of grateful. Yeah. And so nobody's in trouble, including the people who started it. Yeah. Everybody's off the hook. Yeah. Did you, this first caption is also very funny. Oh yeah. It's a, oh yeah. Stanley makes fun of Ditko kind of openly with his dialogue. Yeah. And he doesn't read this first caption. Yeah. On his way to school this morning, Peter Parker is hailed by no less a personage than the principal himself. Thus, our story begins with the savage impact of a falling feather. Yeah, it's sort of making fun of the slow start to this issue. Yeah, Stanley just wants fights in every panel. And uh, when Ditko likes to 
indulge in Peter Parker's civilian life, Stanley apologizes to the reader for it. Although I'm not mad. No, no, it's funny. It's a funny way to start it. And I like the way the story starts and I like making fun of it at the same time. I like both aspects of it. Yeah, I know. I love Stanley. I also sort of think Lee would make fun of himself if he started a story this way. Yes. Uh, yeah, he'd make fun of himself. I don't think he is trying to hurt someone's feelings or make fun of somebody. I think he's just sort of making a joke, sort of a self-deprecating joke about their product. I mean, Stanley is very in touch with the readers in a way that a lot of comics creators are not. Like he's always, always thinking about the audience reading the book and like, what do they want? What do they need to know? What explanation are they? And he's good at it. Like he answers the questions that you would have. I mean, he's a good, good writer. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but then we move on to uh, another subplot of Liz Allen, although she's called Liz Hilton here by mistake, right? Yeah. That's a huge mistake. So late in the comic at this point. Yeah. Like Peter sees Liz Allen, who's like the popular uh, girl in high school that is sort of Flash Thompson's sometimes girlfriend, although she always has a crush on Peter Parker and he sees her and he thinks to himself, there's Liz Hilton. I bet she had something to do with Flash getting me off the hook. But I'm like, nobody caught that. Like, she's a pretty big character. I mean, the only person to catch it is the guy who wrote it, right? I mean, Stan's his own editor. Stan's his own editor. Also, the lettering guy letters every issue. He's not paying attention to what he's writing down. Like, yeah, I don't know call, if he doesn't point, call maybe. up Stan. He's like, hey, you put Hilton here. Didn't you mean Alan? Yeah. Like, and I'm not sure if Stan's assistant had started yet by this point, but I bet she had. So maybe she could have caught it as well. Flo, but, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, so um, Liz Hilton, which we know is actually Liz Allen, is blowing Peter off, and that's unusual. I mean, she's being real. Maybe icy she's gotten her. married since last issue. Yeah, maybe she got married to the hotel family. Yeah, she's already rich. Maybe she's stepped up in status even more wealth wise. Uh, but yeah, she's blowing Peter off. She's giving him the cold shoulder. She won't even call him Petey. She refers to him as Peter. Yeah, something's different, but we're we're not going to find out why. She just kind of walks off, and then Flash walks up. Flash has got sort of a shorter torso than normal. Yeah. Although he's wearing his traditional green sweater and brown pants, like always. Like all high school kids. Yeah, all high school kids wear the same clothes every day. Um, Peter and Flash, so, you know, Peter and Flash are kind of snapping at each other, even though they've been nice to each other in various ways, like... Yeah. Um, Flash makes fun of Peter because Liz blew him off. Then Peter thanks Flash for letting him off the hook and Flash gets mad at him for that apology. Well, Peter also thanks him in sort of an angry way. He goes, by the way, big mouth, I appreciate you squaring things with Principal Davis for me. It's not a great apology. <laughs> yeah, forget it. I didn't do it for you. Flash Thompson doesn't let any meatball take the rap for him. You know, I was thinking about this. This is one of the things I'm thinking about with Ditko. Like, there's lots of like flashes of anger in these characters like especially between Peter and his high school friends. Uh, you know, they're like, they're very mean to him. The, the world is very mean to Peter Parker yeah. in general. And a lot of times he's angry back. And I'm like, you know what? Ditko was a grouchy, rude person. Um, not violent or anything, but he just like was impatient and critical. And he, you know, by the end of his life was calling everybody who tried to do stuff with him a parasite or a waste of his time. And I really think that Steve Ditko is Peter Parker. Um, like Peter Parker is sort of like a better version of Steve Ditko, sort of. Like a slightly nicer version, but these flashes of anger, I'm like, this is Ditko. Like, this is what he might say to, like, a colleague of his or something. Right. He was sort of a quiet, awkward guy who got this power drawing comic books. Yeah. And got and found confidence through that. And because of that confidence, gets angrier and more outspoken. And it's very serious about his talent, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Like, he felt like he had to do good work. Um, 
I don't know. So like the kind of darker side of Peter Parker, which has always been there and is an important part of the book. I see that as Ditko's contribution to his personality and the jokes and the fun I see as Stanley. Yeah. These guys are yelling at each other. Yeah. We also find out that they're graduating. They're graduating high school. Yeah. Um, and it's weird because a lot of comics stay frozen in time forever. You know, like Archie Andrews is in high school for all of eternity. But uh, here, Peter Parker's leaving high school. Yeah. Uh, these early issues, time moved on. It, it slows down a lot after this. But right here, it's still it's still chugging along like normal. So we see that uh, the kids are getting ready for high school graduation. We also see that Liz is blowing off Flash as much as she's blowing off Peter. So we don't know what's bothering her. But it's it's not that she's just mad at Peter. She's blowing everybody off. Yeah. Uh, but Peter's got other plans. He's going to go... To to the home of the inventor, uh, Professor Smythe, or Mr. Smythe, I guess. The man who invented the robot that uh, J. Jonah Jameson used to try to capture Spider-Man, which will in the future be known as the Spider-Slayer. Yeah, this is such a funny sequence. He goes to the private residence of a villain. Um, I mean, not a not an out-and-out villain yet. Yeah. Uh, this guy's very friendly, very nice. So this dude answers the door, um, and I love what he says when he sees Peter. He sees Peter and Smythe goes, ah, you're, you're Peter Parker, the one who talked Jonah Jameson into using my robot to try to capture Spider-Man, which is sort of like rubbing yep. Peter's face and so saying, yeah, you're the one who like screwed up and sent my robot after yourself. Yeah, yeah nice little recap, uh, as well as a reminder to Peter that this whole situation is his own fault. Yeah. And uh, for people who are listening, the reason Peter's going here is because he uh, had two costumes. His Aunt May took one, and we never know what happened to that one. But the other one was taken by Smythe. So Smythe has Peter's spare costume. Yeah. And all Peter has is a store-bought costume that has shrunk in the ocean and is unable to fit himself. Yeah, so he wants his costume back. So he walks in the lab of this guy, and the first thing that happens is the spider-hunting robot grabs him. (laughs) Yeah. Peter is entangled by this thing so much. I love it. <laughs> and the prof- uh, and, and, and Smythe immediately starts suspecting that Peter is Spider-Man. Yeah. It's like, why would that robot grab you? He's only supposed to grab spidery things. What's going on here? But Peter's thought of that. Yeah. He's carrying a jar of spiders. <laughs> the perfect alibi. Yeah, he said he brought it by to help this guy with his research. Yeah. And um, why would Spider-Man carry a jar of spiders? <laughs> and um, and that explains it to Smythe. Smythe's like, oh, yeah, OK, that's why the robot grabbed you. He turns the robot off. The arms release Peter. Yeah. Which implies that the robot spends most of its time on. Yeah, it's on by default. Yeah. I guess that's just to get rid of any spiders that come in the house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a great pest co- uh, pest hunter. Um, so he asks, Peter asks to see the costume for a photo, possible photo exhibit for the Daily Bugle. Uh, Smythe shows it to him, and then when Smythe isn't looking, Peter switches his shrunken store-bought costume for the good one. So now he's got the good one in his hand. Right. Uh, but in the background at this point, the supervillain origin story has begun. Yeah. Uh, some guy named Raxton. Yeah, Mark Raxton. Has um, has burst in demanding something, uh, he d- demanding a jar of liquid metal alloy. We don't know what's going on, Kevin. What do you think is going on? Um, I mean, it's some sort of unsavory partner who always works with these scientists who wants to get rich quick versus Smythe's altruistic plans of just capturing Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is some sort of thug that Smythe is working with, and Raxton is some sort of, he looks like, you know, Dick Tracy villain, classic Ditko gangster look. Yeah. Um, and he wants this jar of liquid metal alloy that apparently he and Smythe developed to Together. He wants to like sell it or something. So he's just taking it because he's tired of waiting for the really, test to be finished. I don't really know what the uh, gold alloy would be. I don't know why it would be valuable. Yeah. But he wants but we're it. told it is. Smythe doesn't want to give it up. They tussle. They fight. Peter is caught in the arms of the robot again. Oh, yeah. yeah it's accidentally turned on. So the robot grabs so him. Peter cannot really help. Um, 
Smythe and Raxton are tussling. Raxton's holding this liquid metal alloy. He falls towards a just sort of random beam of electricity that is firing in the lab. Yep. And the, the jar shatters and the alloy spreads across his body. Yeah, like a parasite. And now he's covered in this golden alloy and he's terrified. He's like, what did I do to myself? What is this thing going to do to me? The doc said it's not tested. And Peter is trapped and can't help him. Yeah, Peter's cr- trapped in the coils of the spider, the soon to be called Spider Slayer. And Raxton, now a golden man, just wanders out of the lab in a daze. Yep, just staring at his skin. And he looks kind of cool. Uh, he's like still Peter wearing his it. suit. And he's got like golden skin wearing a suit. It looks like a cool old comic book, like sci-fi character. Like the, vision, yeah, the visuals later on of this his, guy are good, I think. Later on when his uh, clothing gets ripped and he looks more hulkish, I like him less. But he looks really cool when he's dressed well with just gold skin poking out. Yeah, um, it's very Twilight Zone-y. I, 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 you know, Ditko picks good visuals kind of always. Uh, Mark Raxton, um, who just seems like a real, real jerk in this issue, right? There's nothing good about him right. here. Um, turns into like a pretty good guy as time goes on. Okay, yeah. Well, so his like, character gets expanded. He's, yeah, he sort of becomes like a good guy. Um, so, uh, okay, so he wanders off. Peter uses his web shooter um, to like turn the machine off from a distance, which releases him from the robot. He helps Smythe up. Smythe is distraught because the liquid metal alloy has been spilled, all this work down the drain. Um, and Peter's like, well, tell me where this guy lives and I'll get the police to go get him, <clears throat> i.e. Spider-Man. Yeah, and Raxton is meanwhile just like crashing cars, I guess, yeah. right? <laughs> wanders into traffic. He's in a daze. He doesn't know what's going on. A car almost hits him and in a rage, he punches the car and realizes he has super strength. He flips the car, immediately processes that he has super strength and just starts walking down the street punching stuff. Yeah. Um, there's a couple lines about people not being in those cars, but otherwise this guy is not doing anything that you would not consider anything but just outright evil. A lot of villains in the Spider-Man universe, they get their power, they are immediately corrupted. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's not a lot of nuance. This is our bad guy. He's just punching the crap out of everything. Spidey. Uh, and sorry, I was just looking something up while you said that too. Um, and because I was pretty sure about this, Mark Raxon, it turns out to be Liz's stepsister or stepbrother. Yes, that's their step siblings. Right. It, that that ends up being why she's distracted, right? Uh, not in this issue. No, but like I think we find out later that it's family problems that are distracting her and it's him. Yeah. Um we don't know that in this issue. Yeah, it's not revealed in this issue. So Molten Man, Raxton, is um Sneaking around through the alley, he grabs a hat. He kind of get, he gets a little bit more discreet. He gets back to his apartment. He's like, all right, I got to get to a hideout and I got to make some kind of plan, some kind of really big crime now that I have all this power. Yeah, now that he's strong, he's got to definitely rob somebody. Big bags of money is what this guy wants. But uh, Spider-Man is waiting outside his apartment. Yeah, because he got the address from Smythe. So he shows up uh, and he sort of leaps in. And even like some of these panels are sort of awkward. Like the last panel on page nine, Spider-Man leaping in. Yeah, looks weird. Suppose it's just a little off. Um, So then Molten Man sees Spidey and they get into a fight. Now, I like the dialogue here. I like the jokes. But this is the problem with the Molten Man. I think we have two Molten Man issues that Ditko does, and they're both kind of boring. Like, the, it's just a strong dude. Yeah. Like, he, I guess I mean, his, the his visual... Skin, I guess, is slippery. <laughs> but I think Ditko just thought the colors would look cool. You know, a golden dude. Uh, and, you know, colors in these old 60s comics, they you pretty much have just primary and secondary colors. There's not a lot going on. So, like, this is sort of a striking visual to have. Yeah, and, and I think, as we said, like, when he's wearing this suit, he looks really, really cool. I mean, as this story goes on, he's more Hulk as like he goes down to just torn shorts. Um, but in like these first few panels, he looks like a cool guy. But yeah, he's just trying to punch Spider-Man and Spider-Man's dodging him and trying to punch him back. Yeah, and even Lee is kind of rushing this. Like at one point, 
Spidey, uh, the Molten Man, uh, the bottom of page 12, Molten Man like flying tackles Spider-Man through a door and they like tumble downstairs together. And the dialogue they have is right before Molten Man runs at Spidey, Spidey goes, search me, maybe we could have a tiddlywink contest. Molten Man tackles Spidey going very funny. And then as they're falling down the stairs, Spidey goes, so why aren't you laughing? And it feels a uh, weak for Stanley dialogue. I think. Yeah. Uh, the first panel, his, his, he shoots spider webs and it says thwip, right? I don't think we've noticed that before. Oh, you think that's the first thwip sound effect? Uh, I think so. That becomes the classic Spidey shooting yeah. webbing sound effect. If that's the first occasion, I've, we should throw up. I've not been looking super, super closely, but I've been trying to pay attention to it as much as I can. Readers, uh, we're going to put, listeners, let's put it on you. Somebody tell us, where's the first use of thwip for Spidey shooting his webbing? Tweet at us. But it, might, it, it might be here. It might be those panels. Kevin thinks it might be here. Issue 28, page 12, first panel. Yeah. So let's see if there's any earlier than that. Um, because, I mean, that becomes relatively standardized. Yeah. Just like snicked is the sound effect of Wolverine's claws coming out or whatever. Yeah. And wubba 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 is the sound of uh, Mr. Fantastic uh, blow drying his hair. Yeah, that's right. That's another stand. <laughs> and Squapo is Silver Surfer getting hit by a meteor as uh, yeah, established Don by Don Martin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Squapo. Um, yeah, the sound effects even in this issue are a little weird. Like the on page 11, there's a boyoink. <laughs> Like, look at page 11. It's back, clop, boyoink on this page. is thwip, crunch, I think, bock, I think when Molten Man comes back, Stanley says, we're not even going to interrupt this cool fight with dialogue. Let's just let sound effects tell the story. And like a whole page without dialogue. I think that's in the next Molten issue. And, it's, and uh, it's, That might be. I know that's in one of those issues. It's, but based on this issue, that's a bad choice. Yeah. Um, so Spidey's fighting. They're having kind of a standard issue Spidey fight. But then um, Spidey, they get down into the basement and Spidey... With a, with a knock and a blap. Yep. <laughs> um, Spidey knocks out a light bulb once they get to the basement. Uh, the light bulb explodes with a tlankle. Yep. <laughs> and then they're, they're in the dark. And this does look really cool. The golden man and sort of Spidey's costume in the dark. We just have like... Basically a page of it, but it does look kind of rad. And it is fun that Spider-Man can't beat this guy with his brute strength, so he needs to outsmart him, find some way to win using his smarts. So he turns off the lights, uses his spider sense so that he can sense where the Molten Man is and defeat this guy because he can't beat this guy in a fight. Yeah, uh, but with extra strong webbing and... With the help of the darkness, he subdues Molten Man. Even when he's tied up, Molten Man fights a little bit, but then Spidey ties him up even more. And the bottom yeah. of page 16, the cops have shown up to get the Molten Man. And uh, that's the end of the villain part of the story. Yeah, that's it's all wrapped up. Molten Man does not come back for the rest of the issue. In, norm, uh, in the old issues, it was almost pretty standardly two fights. There'd be the first fight where Spider-Man lost, and then Spider-Man would come back and win. Yeah, but now we're just having one but fight, and then it's all like, Peter, baby. Yeah, now we've got the adventures of graduating senior Peter Parker before we get into and I love this part I do love this part uh, before we get into it I want to say one thing which is like uh, I've made the observation sort of casually but I've done it a lot which is like the cops in Spider-Man stories are basically like superheroes like they are praised like the cops are ultimate good guys and that's that's not so strange um, you know for like a kid's story 
cops are good guys. Mm-hmm. They want to they want to capture the villain. But, you know, they're sort of like especially good and brave. And I always thought it was like a little naive and very of the 60s that you that there's never even a you don't even see like kind of a slightly bullying policeman or a corrupt policeman. Um, you know, in New York City, that's like kind of a, a common narrative. Like the, the, the cops are often the bravest guys around, but they're often the uh, they can be thugs, too, or at least that's how they're perceived. Right. Yeah. Like a squad is made up of like good, brave guys, as well as like corrupt, shifty guys, as well as this sort of jerks. Yeah. Like a mix of types. Yeah. But in Spidey comics with Ditko's era, cops are 100% good. And I always thought that was Stan Lee sort of being sort of a conservative middle-aged man. You can trust the cops. Plus it's just, you know, mid-60s era stuff. But it's Ditko. Ditko had a... Ditko really loved the cops and good guys. And, and he never liked the cops or the military to be made fun of. He was like a real patriot flag guy. Um, so he always wanted to make it clear that Spidey respected the cops and the cops respected him and cops don't look bad in Ditko comic. Yeah, I mean, the last issue we read, the cops fought side by side with him against the crime masters, United New York mobs. Yeah. They held their own. They held their own. So that's a Ditko thing, um, which I didn't know. So it was a little side note. Um, okay, so now we're getting into Peter Parker graduating high school. So why, why do you like this so much, Kevin? Tell me what's so good about it. I don't know. It was just a fun read. I think the art is better than this half. I think Peter doesn't look weird. It's like all poised better. Um, it looks like more time was put into it. I mean, not a lot happens. It's just sort of like fun and sweet, but it's just well told. And it's it's a nice coda to the first 38 issues it, or 28 issues. Sorry. It's sort of um, something we've always said about good Marvel comics, which is if you take the powers out, the characters are well-defined enough that they are interesting on their own. You know, we still have Aunt May being protective and motherly um, Flash being a bit of a bully. JJJ shows up and he's being sort of like manipulative and shallow. Uh, Liz is being sad. Like there, there is a lot going on with the characters interacting with each other. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at this point, I love Peter Parker uh, as much as I love Spider-Man when I'm reading these yeah. comics. And I want, I don't want his graduation to go badly. And it doesn't. It's a good graduation. It's sort of a happy ending. It's a, it's a start of a new chapter for him. And, and it is exciting. Like it is in real life. For yeah. people. And uh, he and Flash, the, the one plot point that happens is he and Flash Thompson both win scholarships to Empire University. Um, that means that they will be staying together in the next chapter of their lives story-wise. But it also means that Peter, who's family is very, very poor, gets to go to college, which in the mid 60s is not a given. And uh, Aunt May is incredibly excited about it. And it is heartwarming. Like you can imagine her pride. She's like, I'm raising this kid right. Yeah. I mean, especially as you got to imagine he's spending most of his time fighting crime and not doing schoolwork. It wouldn't be crazy to imagine his grades dropping enough that he doesn't get a full ride. And even a partial ride wouldn't be enough for him probably. No, I mean, this guy's scraping by to get a toaster for his Aunt May or whatever. So yeah, it's a huge deal that he is so smart that he's able to uh, get into Empire State University on a full scholarship. Um, they, they, and you know, good for Flash too. Flash is not well to do. We don't know that at this point, but Flash's family isn't, you know, well off. If he didn't get a, if he didn't get an athletic scholarship, he wouldn't go to college either. Yeah, these are two Queens kids. Uh, they're from the outer boroughs. They're not Manhattan rich kids. Um, and when when Peter gets a scholarship, uh, they say he's got the highest scholastic average in the school's history. Like 
Makes sense. I mean, he invented webbing. Uh, yeah. Um, we've seen him do enough scientific inverters just overnight, like five times in the course of the comics. Yeah. All specifically built to defeat supervillains, but still helpful. Uh, there's a funny bit here where JJJ tries to charm Peter because recently we saw Peter selling his photos to a rival newspaper. So JJJ has to come over and lay on his version of charm. And it's very funny, I think. It's very f- funny. He's, But he's also doing it right. He's like flattering Peter's aunt. Yeah. Which would be the way to like win, like make make Peter's aunt like God. Him. He makes me laugh. Uh, you know, he comes over and shakes Peter's hand, congratulates him, and Aunt May says, "Oh, you're the nice man that Peter sells those news photos to." I'm his Aunt May. JJJ's response: His aunt. I thought you were his sister. Like he's so corny. It's this is pure Stan Lee. Like if Peter Parker is yeah. Steve Ditko, JJJ is Stan Lee. Like a version of a funny. It's Stan. Yeah. It's the voice of Stan's humor. Definitely. Even before he says that, he when he greets Peter, he's Peter, my boy. You are credit to the Daily Bugle. I knew you'd justify the faith I always had in you. Humph! How did you all like my speech? Yeah, and Peter's little backhanded compliment. You were uh, fine in voice, Mr. Jameson. Yeah. And then when, and then back when JJJ's talking to Aunt May and he's like, and now I see where Peter gets his charm and good looks from. Why, Mr. Jameson, please just call me JJJ. <laughs> Which is yeah, and he's just beaming and smiling. I really love charming. Me too. Jonas. It's super funny. Uh, but Peter takes this as a chance to go check in with Liz to figure out what's going on, what's bothering Something's her. Something's up. Her, you know, she's sad. She's saying a chapter of her life. Oh yeah, she has this like kind of big confession. Um, right. She confesses that she had more than a crush on Peter. She liked Peter. She wanted to. She wanted to be with Peter. Um, but she could see that. But he never. He never really gave her that time of day because he, you know, he was with Betty. Yeah, and um, she's right and then uh and um she's like well i'm moving on anyway that part of my life is over and her parents come to get her and they look sad like something is up we don't know but we don't find out what yeah um and that's uh you know it's sad flash is just yucking it up with his buddies uh yeah he's happy about his scholarship oh this is a fun little exchange between jameson and aunt may here the bottom of page uh, 19 uh yes the newspaper business is always exciting once i was even accused of being the green goblin and aunt may laughs oh dear that's as ridiculous as accusing my nephew peter of being spider-man I like it. Yeah, I like that. I also wonder, and I, I've heard this, and I don't know if it's just from this panel, that some people believed that they're, that Stan toyed with the idea of making Jonah the Green Goblin. Uh, yeah, I guess it'd be a big dramatic reveal. Yeah. Uh, it'd be hard to keep him in the comic much after that. Yeah, I think it'd be real tough. And I also think it'd be hard to justify basically every thought balloon Jonah's ever had. Yeah. Oh, there's another little sort of continuity mistake. I forget where it is. But Mary Jane Watson's uh, mom is here, but she's been her aunt in previous issues. But Do they refer to her as a mom? Yes, page 18, panel four. I can't wait to dash home and tell my daughter Mary Jane about it. She'll be so thrilled. Yep, that is a mistake because uh, it's been very clear that it's his aunt, her aunt. Anna. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a small one. Um, it's huge. <laughs> Earth-shattering mistake. And so that's it. The graduation ends and everybody goes their separate ways and that's the end of the issue. Sort of described as that too, even in the, in the uh, final caption. Uh, it isn't really an ending, but a beginning, the beginning of a new chapter in the life of the world's most amazing teenager. And it's yep. true. Like if Ditko had stayed on a while, like going through college would have been this next epic uh, stretch. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so um, should we give out our awards? I think we should. All right. I've got my panel picked out. Great. Why don't you go? My favorite panel is page 18, panel four. 
and it's a wide panel and it's where you see a whole crowd of students all celebrating that they just graduated high school. And in the middle of it are May and Peter kind of smiling at each other. And they're kind of having this sweet moment amongst themselves in a crowd. Uh, and it's a, it's a really nice emotional moment. And I think it's well drawn. Yeah, that, I think that is really good. Um, my favorite is on that same page. Uh, it's just the second panel. I really like Peter's expression there. Yeah. I think Peter was drawn very awkward in the first half, but I think that is a near perfect drawing of Peter. Yeah. I, th- I think he's drawn great in this entire graduation section. And the second panel, there's something about it, like his face, yeah. so much acting in that face. Yes. Uh, I love it. I agree. That's a good pick. Uh, Ditko's, what um, is your Stan Lee dialogue? My Stan Lee dialogue, although I like a lot of Jonah's jokes with Aunt May, I'm going to go page 17, panel four. It's just two unknown students. And one of them saying, you know, I automatically feel 200% smarter with this crazy pancake on my dome. And the response is, I always said you had a flat head, Charlie, and now we know it. That's very Stanley dialogue, and that's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, it's very uh, uh, lame, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pick, and it's the one I said earlier, which is just, by the way, Big Mouth, I appreciate you squaring things with Principal Davis for me. Yep. Such a weird way to write an apology. Yeah. Um, just starting with Big Mouth. and I, I don't know. Yeah. It stood out to me. That's why I talked about it when we went through it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think, think that's my pick for dialogue. Uh, what's your highlight? <laughs> my highlight's... Um, I think it's, I'm going to pick Jonah's uh, schmoozing with Ant-Man. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say just the entire graduation sequence, which is like four or five pages. But if I picked one aspect of it, it's probably Jonah trying to win Aunt May over. Yeah. Uh, I'll pick, um, I'll pick it's Peter and Flash both winning scholarships. I think that's kind of a nice character moment. I, I think that's really cool. I mean, I also like all the Liz Allen stuff slash Liz Hilton stuff. Yeah. Uh, that stuff's good. The subplots are good. Yeah. How about your low light? I think my low light, uh, I'm going to pick the art, especially on that first page. Those first couple panels look so awkward. And there's a couple other awkward panels of Spider-Man when the fight with Molten Man first begins. Uh, and just the fact that I feel like Ditko hasn't really had any missteps in a long time that have bothered me. Yeah. To even have three or four panels like that. Yeah, it's rare. Um, it's a low light. Uh, I bet you're right that he was working on the annual. I think that's a good guess. I'll pick for my low light just the dialogue during the Molten Man fight. I'm going to put it on Stan. I think he didn't do a good job of, usually he comes up with good stuff and he didn't do it. This yeah, these guys are failures. I don't think they've got what it takes. Uh, Spidey's not going to last. And this is this comic is a is a piece of evidence of it. Uh, it's going to be a failure and no one will ever hear of those two guys. Um, yeah, but overall I like this issue okay. I definitely think it's one of the weaker issues of the run. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not unreadable. It's, it's not bad. fun. Uh, the bad stretches are short. Yeah. Uh, and you know, these guys are putting out an issue every month, like their, their rate of, you know, their productivity is so high. Uh, it's astounding. They don't have more weak issues. And if this is the, this is an example of a weak issue, it just, it, that's actually evidence of how good they are. Yeah. And our next episode is going to cover the annual, yeah. the second annual, which is Spider-Man and Dr. Strange, which is incredible. It's incredible. So like, the fact that that came out the same time as this issue sort of undoes whatever, whatever negatives about this issue. The fact that you get a, an extra issue that is so fun and so beautiful with both Ditko characters. Yeah, it's totally great. Yeah. So um, um, let's just do a couple. I can read a couple. Let's do a couple letters. Emails. Yeah. Okay. First one I want to read is from Nicole. Right. And I'm reading Nicole because she wrote in hoping that she'd be the first woman who wrote us. Yeah. You missed it. She wasn't. Uh, she had wrote in before the episode aired where we read a letter from another female. So she was right to think um, she could be the first, yes. uh, but she was actually the second. Um, and she says... First off, I want to say that I love the podcast. It's the best day of my week by far. It's very nice. Um, I am quite young. 
Marvel Comics and Spider-Man comics have been a huge part of my life. Uh, she grew up reading Ultimate Spider-Man huh? in a similar way to how we began reading the original Spider-Man. Oh, and I've, I have sort of issues with the Ultimate Spider-Man line. I, I, I didn't like it as much as most people, but I cannot deny that it worked exceptionally well. So many people I know, that was their first comics and or their first Spider-Man comics. Oh, cool. And they would tend to go on to read the other Spider-Man comics. So Did they were a great gateway comic. Uh, that's cool. Uh, but she, she talks about buying the ultimate volumes at Barnes and Noble. Mm. Um, uh, and in that in the Ultimate Spider-Man series, Peter Parker dies. Uh, but she says she refuses to accept that. <laughs> uh, so that when she went to college, she began reading the original comics. Ah. Uh, and she's loving, she loves going through them again with us. So she's read these, it sounds like. Oh, cool. So at 22, she's read more comics than we had. Most uh, fanboys, yeah. I think. Well, not you had, but uh, yeah, than a lot of people. Yeah. Um, um, that's cool. Thank you, Nicole. I, I love yeah, that. It's, uh, uh, it sounds like you're already a deep Spider-Man nerd, which uh, means you're one of us. <laughs> and she also brings up a fact that and that I think we I did not mention. We talked about Gwen Stacy's eventual death. Yeah, that Stan Lee was out of town on a bus- uh, like for business when they wrote that story. Oh, yeah, he might not, not have. Was he not writing the comic? Like he wasn't around to see it go across his desk. Yeah, he might have vetoed it. Yeah, and I forgot about that. That is a true fact that like, uh, or at least a story they say that that Conway waited for Stanley to not be around, and then he told that story. Interesting. Um, and that is a really cool thing, and I'm glad she reminded of us that she also signs off with "Great power comes great responsibility." <laughs> so uh, Nicole is uh, a true blue, cool Spider-Man fan in my in my book. Yes, we've also had a bunch of people on Instagram of both genders making lots of comments. I know. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to cite names because they're not necessarily emailing us, but yeah, it's nice to get some letters. I love it. Uh, any Anybody wants to write in, I, I love it. And uh, thank you, Nicole. Yeah, but you hate when men write us. I hate men. Uh, that's that's not on them or on Spider-Man. I resent <laughs> the gender of which I am part of, uh, you know, sure. but um, uh, I, I try to, I try to, I, I hold my nose and make it work. We also had a few people that wrote in just right before Steve Ditko, our Steve Ditko eulogy episode dropped or right after saying they hoped we did one and or they liked that we did one. Okay. So that's very nice. I hope everyone who did listen to it enjoyed that episode. Yeah, we, uh, we did that fast right after. So, uh, yeah, was, uh, we had to squeeze in time when my son was asleep and, and our schedules synced up enough that we could <laughs> yeah. sit down for an hour. Yeah. Um, um, thank you to people. Maybe that'll like- be the only thing I read today. Okay. We'll get, we got a lot more, but it's good. Uh, when we record these fast, it'll be good to have a few stored up, but if you want to write us, you can write us at screw at gmail.com. Yep. You can check our Instagram, which is screw My brother, Kevin puts up all these excellent, uh, excerpts from these issues we're going over. And, uh, yeah, and we're also on Twitter at Screw It Spidey that basically mostly just retweets what's on Instagram. But sometimes I will respond to things and people tweet at us there. Yeah. And it's very nice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, please get in touch with us. Yeah. And uh, next episode, we're going to go over the annual, the, the annual number two, where Spidey teams up with Doctor Strange, the other Steve Ditko character. Okay. Uh, I did recently post all the recommend, past recommendations on our Instagram account in Big Bursts. So if you do want to know the books that we've recommended in the past, those are also on our Screw It Spidey. Instagram account. Yeah. Um, they're in sort of bursts. If you just go through our archives, you'll see them in there in case you forget the titles or, or I don't go into details and why we recommended them. So for that, you need to listen to the podcast. Yeah. And if you, anybody emails us, tell us your favorite comics, you know, no matter what it is, what is the comic that really makes you read all comics? Yeah. Yeah. What's like, a comic? What, what, what you, are your recommendations essentially? Yeah. What do you recommend to people who are like saying, Hey, I just started reading comics or I'm getting into more comics. What should I read? Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, I think that's it. I think that's it as well. Um, Kevin, great episode. Yeah, well, you know what? 
Uh, you're uh, not the molten man of podcast hosts. <laughs> you're more of the vulture. <laughs> oh, I don't mind that. That's vulture, a high praise. Vulture's mostly competent. Yeah. Um, uh, all right, everybody. So uh, we'll see you next episode. Bye. Yeah, bye, everyone. Screw it. Screw it. We're just, just going to talk, talk about Spider-Man. Hey, Batch Nation. It's Alex. And Sarah. And we've had so much fun recapping Becca's season of The Bachelorette that we obviously decided to cover the season of Bachelor in Paradise. Paradise. Episodes will air on ABC starting August 7th. And look for episodes from us, TTBP, every Thursday starting August 9th. Hopefully Grocery Joe doesn't find love. That way he's still on the market. (laughs) Get it? No. Campfire.